You are listening to audio from New Life Foursquare. For more information about our church, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org. In the past five years, what was the best Christmas gift you've ever gotten? All right, Think about it. Don't say it out loud. And share it with the person sitting next to you. Go ahead. As you're giving your offering. Sorry. Go ahead. I know. I'm distracting you. It's okay. Give your offering first, and then think of the best Christmas gift that you got. <laughs> and take a moment. All right. Now, um, those of us who are getting older, which is all of us in the room, <laughs> um, how many of you find that as you get older, it, it, you know, you don't really don't expect a whole lot for, uh, at Christmas in terms of receiving stuff, right? Um, you know, my, my daughter told me the other day, she's like, Dad, you know, you don't, older people, they don't really expect to get any gifts, right, at Christmas. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, pretty much, that's right. Just, you know, money's good, you know, <laughs> type of thing. Uh, but... Uh, you know, yesterday we had a really awesome time um, talking about Care Dares, but we were able to, uh, through one of our, our church congregation members here, um, actually Gigi and Mano, I don't know if they're here, Gigi and Mano here, they did a, we call it a Care Dare, but this has been on their heart for a number of, of months, I believe, and we had a chance to minister to our homeless community right here in this parking lot, or the parking lot right, right next to us here, um, and it was such a good time, and it reminded me that, you know, Advent and Christmas, there's so many people that, are, that feel, you know, throughout the year, people go through stuff, right? Depression, loneliness, grief, but especially during the holidays, it can be easy, to, those feelings can be intensified because of the season. And yesterday, we had a chance to just feed folks that are in our community that are homeless. Uh, we got a chance to give them, um, you know, blankets and pillows and beanie hats and stuffed animals and stuff like that. It was really, really wonderful. And we reconnected with people that I, I believe are, represent the least of these. You know, this holiday season, let me remind you, part of, part of why we're doing the whole Care Dare thing is it's not so, so that you can give all these cards away. Honestly, if you have the card with you, it's just a reminder. Who are, we, who, who are the least of these around us? Who are those whom... We can just touch with the love of God. You never, you never, never know when you step out there. And I'm learning that sometimes when we step out of our comfort zones to do something um, that shows the love of God in a practical way that maybe surprises them with an act of kindness, you'll never know what kind of opportunities God opens up. You'll never know who you're running into that's really, really hurting. And you get a chance to be um, Christ's hands and mouthpiece and love to, to them. Yes? Amen. So uh, this holiday, we're talking about holy visitations. Last week, Pastor Mike spoke about the encounter that Mary had with the angel, the visit or the visitation um, of the angel Gabriel to Mary. And I couldn't help thinking about how holy or visitations in general um, impact our lives. Like, you know, my, my son who plays tennis, he's... Um, He's a nine-year-old kid, and he just got a cell phone. I, you know, don't judge. Don't judge me. Don't judge me, all right? It's an iPhone 4S, okay? Leftover from back in the day. <laughs> anyway, he, uh, he texted me a picture. He, the first selfie I can ever remember him taking. But it wasn't just a selfie. So he, 
he texted me this picture, and this was like two weeks ago, and he was playing tennis. He had a tournament in Manhattan Beach, and they're playing with, you know, his team and all that. And he texts, he texts me this picture, and he goes, Dad, look who I met. And in the picture, in the selfie, was this girl in the background, like smiling, like in back of him. You know how they do selfies, like, yeah, yeah. And she was like doing this. And then I'm like, who is that? I don't, I was like, who is that? And then he's like, that's Maria Sharapova. Now, some of you who don't know Maria Sharapova, who knows Maria Sharapova? <laughs> okay, it's like, Right, pro tennis player, right? You know, okay, never mind. Anyway, it was exciting for him, and he's like, she came over, and she, like, said hi, and she encouraged the kids. And I was like, awesome. I was, like, tripping out. Nine-year-old kid. For a day, for a moment, encouraged by a visitation. And as we look at visitations and how they impact us, the, the whole Christmas story that you find in the gospel narratives are kind of, they're kind of catalyzed. They're, they begin with these visitations. The angel goes here, visits Mary. The angel goes there, visits Joseph. The angel goes, today we're going to talk about the angel going to a guy named Zechariah. Say Zechariah. His name is Zech for short. And we're going to learn from this encounter that Zechariah has with the angel that there is a... Um, let me say it this way. There's a silence that God wants to break in your life. Some of you experienced a silence of loneliness, a silence of grief and loss. For some of you, there's a silence of deep disappointment with somebody that you care for has disappointed you. For some of you, the silence feels like a relational, not so much a breakdown, but a distance because something happened and you never were able to fully reconcile, and now it's just awkward. You know what those silences are like, right? For, some of, for others of you, you know, there's, there's silences of what I call loss of direction. Anybody here ever feel lost? And not, I'm not talking about like I don't know how to get to that location because you have Google Maps, and so it should be really easy. I'm talking about on the inside. I don't know where my life is going. I thought I knew it was headed in this direction, but now that door closed, and now that door closed, and now this door closes, and I don't really see any other open doors, and I don't, even if they were open, I wouldn't be sure if I would want to walk through them, and on the inside, you feel kind of lost. Yeah? Sometimes, you know, those of us who are getting older, I'm 44 years old, 44? <laughs> See, I told you, one of those, right? Actually, you know, let me just share this. My wife is here, and we, we gave each other a Christmas gift this, uh, this past week. And I'm going to encourage all of you to do this, those of you especially over 40, okay? We gave ourselves a special gift. It's called Healthy Heart uh, Screening. So you go over to Little Company, and this is a shameless plug. So those of you who work for Little Company, okay, this is for you. Um, Little company has a special, you can go and do a healthy heart screening where they check your heart. They check how healthy your heart is. And they do everything. They check, is there plaque in your arteries? Is your, art, are your, art, is your, your heart wall, you know, the right 
uh, thickness? Is there, is there thickness growing? You know, is there, is there um, do you have an aneurysm? I mean, you know, I didn't even know you could have an aneurysm and not know it, right? So, and then they, they do this thing, it's called an echocardiogram, I think, where they put a, an ultrasound thing to your, your, your chest, and you could see on the monitor your heart. Like literally beating, and then the valve, you know, flapping like that. If it's flapping, it's good. If it's flapping, and um, it's awesome. So when it's all said and done, they do more than that. They, they make you stand on a scale, put, you know, grip this thing. And for if you stand on this scale and you grip this, you know, it's like a handlebar thing, for like maybe ten seconds, they can tell you what your body fat percentage is. They can tell you what your standing, your resting metabolism is. I mean, just by doing that, trip out, right? So anyway, it's all said and done. And I'm going to brag on my wife a little bit here. She, she, um, they tell you how old you are in terms of the health of your heart. So I could be 44, but guess how? Guess what my heart? How old, based on wear and tear, how old my heart is? 54 years old. I got a 54-year-old heart, man. I don't know why y'all is laughing. You should be praying for me right now. You should be praying for yourself because, you know, I've been pastoring this church for a number of years. And I'm like, I told the lady, I said, you know what? Let me tell you what I do. <laughs> She's like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a pastor. She goes, oh, I get it. <laughs> I get it. All that wear and tear, all that stress, stuff like that. Well, I've been really blessed. My heart, my, my wife, I'll brag on her a little bit. She has the heart of a 22-year-old woman. Fifty-four, twenty-two. It should never happen, but it did, folks. And and I'm blessed. That's all I can say. <laughs> I don't even know why I talked about that. Oh, I remember now. <laughs> because because sometimes <laughs> sometimes in our spiritual journey and our walk with God, as we grow older, we we have a harder time seeing our heart. And internally, we have a harder time kind of knowing where we're really wanting to go. Because when we were younger, we had all these dreams. And then when you get older, you hit reality, right? And then you look back and you go, whatever happened to all those dreams? And then you kind of look forward and you go, you don't really see much looking forward. You kind of see gray. And listen, this is a prophetic word, I think, for some of you. Because I woke up this morning and I had this picture in my mind of, you know, those... um, I think I see it on Google Maps or on, a, a, forgive me for this, MapQuest. And it's like when you, you say, okay, here's where I want to go, and you type in the address, and then this like little dot comes up, and it says, this is where you want to go, this is the address. But what I saw were these words, you are here. And it's kind of like, you know, in the, in the mall when you go to that map and you, you see that thing, that direction sign up that says, well, you, you're here. I'm like, what is that? Why is that in my head, Lord? And I, I didn't feel, figure it out until like this morning when we were worshiping that there are some of you here, maybe you've just one. So God singled you out today in this crowd for, you, for this word to, to be spoken to you, that you, are, you feel very lost and that there is, right now, there is a sense of, it's kind of dark. It's kind of like I don't want to go back because I can't go back. I, I know what's back there. I don't want to go back, but I don't know how to go forward. And the Lord wants to recalibrate your bearings today, like in this season of your life, where He you're going to be able to look at your life and say, you, and you're going to see that sign. You are here, 
And there's going to be a season in the next several weeks where God's going to give you great, great clarity on your direction. Because some of you need that. And for some of you, you've been really successful. It's no longer about success, but it's about significance. How do I live a life of significance? I've made all my money. I've gotten all my, you know, raised all my family. They're good. But now what do I do the rest of my time? So if, that's, if that shoe fits, please wear it and let me know afterwards if it, if it resonates. Is that good? Yes? Okay. Let's dive right in. What we learn from Zechariah's story is that this silence is broken by God. And when we reflect on the, the, the times in our lives when it feels like God is silent, we need to remember that it's in silence that God does his most profound work. You see, the silence that we, we come um, to confront in the New Testament when Zechariah is visited by Gabriel, there has been, up till that point, there has been a 400-year silence in the nation of Israel. Remember the people of Israel, the people of God, they had the law of Moses, which was at that time to them the revelation of God's purpose for them. They had the law, and they also had these guys called prophets. From time to time, Israel would go astray, and these prophets would come, and they'd say, hey, stop doing what you're doing. Get back to the law of God. God is speaking right here, right now, and here's what's going to happen. And then these prophets would prophesy about something that would happen. It would happen. And they go, whoa, God is really for us. God is here with us. We're not just reading about him on a page in the law. We're experiencing his voice here and now through the prophets. Now, watch this. The last prophet in the Old Testament, his name is Malachi. For those of you who have Italian background, you could call him the last Italian prophet, Malachi. But <laughs> Malachi... This is the last verse in the Old Testament, okay? Just in case you didn't know. The Old Testament and the gap of years between Old and New Testament is about, in terms of historic chronology, is about 400 years, right? Malachi speaks at the very end of the Old Testament, and he says these words. See, speaking for God now, he says, See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He, now see, he says, I'm going to send you the prophet Elijah. Elijah's been dead decades at this point. So he's going, what is, what is up with Elijah, all right? But I'm going to send him before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I'll come and strike the land with a curse. That's the last thing you hear in the Old Testament. After that, things go absolutely silent and dark, meaning that the, the people of Israel still have the written law, but they no longer have a fresh revelation from God. How many of you know you can live your life according to the written law and completely miss the fresh revelation that God is wanting to give you? We were made to live in a fresh, vital relationship with God where he is revealing himself to us in an ongoing way. But some of us, I think we get stuck. When we get stuck in religion, what happens is we take what's been written and we look at it and we relate to it as a bunch of rules and regulations. And maybe even good moral principles and wise principles with which to live our lives. Well, that can help anybody, even people who aren't Christian. And it's good. But as believers, Jesus wants us to move from just the written code, what to do, Wrong or right, 
He wants us to move from that into a relationship where there is ongoing revelation, where I see clearly and more clearly, and where I receive fresh words from God for my situation. This is what Jesus says when the devil comes to him in the, in the, uh, in the wilderness, and he says, take the stones, turn them to bread, Jesus, satisfy your hunger, and Jesus says, Human beings do not, man does not live by bread alone, but by every what? And the word therefore word is not talking about the written word, it's talking about the spoken word. The word is rhema. Man lives by every rhema that flows from the mouth, there it is, revelation, God speaking, the mouth of God. The silence that we're experiencing right here in this passage is 400 years of people not hearing from the mouth of God. And so in in that silence, what happened historically was Israel said, you know what, our temple's gone, our land is gone. Right? They've been conquered by Babylonia, Persia, Greece, and eventually Rome. And all we have is this written record of the law of Moses. And so they got more and more devoted to this. And in fact, they created more laws. By the time Jesus comes on the scene in the New Testament, there are 600 plus laws in addition to the laws that they had been given. Those are the laws that Jesus completely just disregards. (laughs) Conveniently, I guess, in some ways. Without revelation, all you have is legalism. Did you hear that? Without revelation, all you're left with is legalism. And nobody likes legalism. The only people that like legalism are the people that can maybe 90% keep the law, right? And then they get proud of it and self-righteous. Anyway, I'm on a tangent. What I'm saying is this. That the silence that God, that Israel is experiencing here is 400 years. How long have you guys been waiting for God to fulfill his promise in your life? (laughs) How long have you been waiting for that big break? How, How long have you been waiting because you've been praying, you've been contending, asking God, save that loved one of mine. You've been asking God, heal my body. You've been asking God, let there be some kind of breakthrough in this situation. Turn his life around. Turn her life around. How long have you been waiting? One year? Two years? Fifteen years? Try 400. Put it in perspective. Because here's what you're going to learn. That even when it seems like God is silent, there's something else going on. God In Israel's mind, God went silent, but God was actually doing this. What was he doing? He was preparing the world for the coming, the first coming of his son. And so what we need to do when it feels like God is silent is we need to say say this with me. Interpret God's silence correctly. Some of you, some of you take um, <clears throat> all the stuff that's going on in your life and it seems like God's not speaking, like, where is God? What is happening here? Oh, I must be, you know, and we interpret it as, and I think most of us interpret it as, you know what, I did something wrong. 
And so I'm kind of suffering the consequences for it. And so God is kind of silent right now. <laughs> right? Or maybe some of you interpret the silence of God as he's abandoned me, he's rejected me. You may go to that extreme. But I think for most of us, we look at it and go, yeah, doesn't seem like, you know, so I don't, I don't want to do. God doesn't seem to be, you know, showing me anything really here. So maybe I did something wrong. What would I do? Where are you at, God? Why, is it, why does one bad thing after another keep happening to me, right? Sometimes it may not be that God is doing that. I don't think God is, is feeling that way. You need to learn to interpret God's silence correctly. Um, husbands and wives have, have trouble with that, right? When your wife goes silent for five days and is not talking to you, husbands, what do you think? You don't think anything's wrong, do you? Of course not. You're a guy. Right? When your wife goes silent, doesn't talk to you for five days, you know, give you the silent treatment, most guys are like, how's your marriage, bro? It's great, man. My wife hasn't talked to me for five days. It's great. <laughs> we interpret silence incorrectly. When the spouse is like, yeah, I wanna, I want, I'm done with him. <laughs> right? I'm done with him. So, <laughs> so if you don't interpret silence correctly, it could destroy your relationship. If you don't interpret God's silence correctly, it could destroy your relationship. God's not rejecting you. God's not abandoned you. What I think he's doing is he's preparing you. Tell someone next to you, God's preparing you. Thank you. Tell them. It's just not the right time. Say, it ain't time yet. <laughs> There's two words in the New Testament for time, at least two. The first word is chronos, right? where we get the word chronology. Yeah? And I, I've taught this before, so some of you, this is review. Um, but chronos is like the time back there that you see ticking. It's 1152. Right? Uh, chronos could also be... Um, you know, the time on, you know, this is the time I wake up, this is the time I go to work, it's the time on your schedule, it's the time you write down in your date book. Um, I think also, Kronos, you could fit this whole concept of cultural time. How many of you know that when you say, <clears throat> okay, I grew up Filipino, and when, when you get invitations to go places, right, the time will say, come to this event at 11 o'clock in the, in the morning. And so, because my dad was a radio broadcaster, I take that literally. I'll be there, 11. But the people who wrote the invitation wrote it for the Filipino community, and they have this thing called Filipino time. So that time is not 11 o'clock. It's totally it's total misleading, right? It's actually like 12, 12 o'clock is what they mean. Maybe sometimes one, depending on which province you're from, right? <laughs> the two or three hour time difference. Okay? The same thing happens with you Latinos in the room. Right? Latino time. It's not time-based. It's event-based, man. We'll just put a time on there, whatever. Show up, whatever. Right? All of you African-American folk in the room, you got the same thing. Right? It's African-American time, man. We can be there two hours late. We're good. That's not the time we're talking about in this verse I'm about to read you right now. Watch this. But when the set time had fully come. That word is the word kairos. Kairos is time that is pregnant with meaning and opportunity. Kairos is the right time. That's what that time is. Right? When your wife says, honey, it's time. 
months pregnant, right? It's time. What do you do? You go, oh, what do you mean it's time? What time is that? No. No. You go, ah, the right moment has come for the baby to be born. That's Kairos time. This is the time that's, that he's talking about here. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, when the set time had fully come. Did you know God set a time for his son to be born? Think about this. This is so, so cool. Like, the creator of the universe saw everything that happens from the beginning of history up to the, up to the point where his son is born. And he goes, okay, humankind has fallen. Okay, they're learning how to build cities. Okay, all these barbaric groups are trying to, you know, conquer each other. Okay, oh, here comes, I'm going to, my people. And, and then, oh, Babylon, and then Persia, and then Greece, and then Rome. And all that time throughout history, he's like, it's not quite the right time yet. I've set a time. Listen, 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 listen. What have you been waiting for God to do in your life? What has he promised? See, God's calling right now. He's calling right now, baby. Now is the time. That's what it says in my Bible. There's certain things in God that you don't have to wait for. They're available now because it's Kairos time, not Kronos time. Now, now is the time for salvation. Now is the day of salvation. Because when it's time, it's time. Nothing can stop it when it's time. Can't stop that baby from being born, folks. Right, Edgar? Can't stop that. <laughs> I, just rem- I just had this picture of what happened with Edgar and Renee a few years ago when their second child was born. <laughs> it was time, and the baby would not wait for them to, take- to get to the hospital. <laughs> they had the baby in the carport at their garage underneath their apartment complex. It was so awesome. That's Cairo's time. When it's time for the baby to be born, whatever you've been waiting for, that promise of God that he's spoken to you, when God says, I've set a time for the fulfillment of that promise, nothing can stop. Not even your mess-ups. Man, that's a big one. You know why? Because we would sometimes, I'd get these prophetic words from folks. People would give me, God's going to do this in life. God's going to do that. And if it didn't happen, you know what I'd think? I'd think, you know what, maybe I did something wrong. Listen, if you've ever received that kind of word, a promise over your life, whether it's prophetic or God spoke to you, listen, God wants to do something in your life, man. And yes, you can cooperate or not. (laughs) But I'm telling you, man, there are some things that when it's time, Gabriel shows up in the life of this man named Zechariah. Zechariah is a priest. And as a priest in Israel, there are many, many, many priests. And so you get to go on this big rotation. They pick you to serve in the temple, the holy place, where you burn incense in front of this altar and you are in the presence of God. And not every priest in Israel gets to do that. It's like a once-in-the-lifetime opportunity if you get picked. Well, Zechariah gets picked. I don't want to read this to you. Uh, Let's skip down. Oh, let me read this part to you. So it says in Luke chapter 1, in the time of Herod the king of Judea, there was a 
priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. So say Zech and Liz. Liz. Second Liz. Get to know them. They're good folks. It says, both of them were upright in the sight of God. They observed all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. You know that written code, that law of Moses that they had? In the absence of the prophetic voice, they were good, law-abiding citizens and people of God. It's important. Watch. Even though they obeyed the law of God, even though they were blameless in their keeping of the law, which we would see as the equivalent of Scripture, it says here, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both well along in years. I want to take a guess. Maybe they were, you know, in their late 50s, maybe 60s. Who knows? Maybe Zechariah was in his 70s. We don't know. We're not told. What I want you to see here, though, is that Zechariah had been praying for something of God's purpose to be birthed in their lives. Watch this. Let's skip to verse 11. Or, I'm sorry, yeah, verse 11. It says, when he was serving in the temple, it says, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. You would be too if an angel of the Lord came and appeared to you. The angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. What prayer was that? Now, I, I have to speculate a little bit here, so bear with me. Zechariah knows his wife is moving along well in years. Do you think he's praying for his wife to have a baby? Maybe not. Because how many of you know, once you get past your 50s, most women aren't praying for you to have a baby? I'm just guessing, because I'm not. You know. So I don't think Zechariah was praying for a baby. I think because Zechariah was a priest, he, he was trying to figure out what the law and the prophets, the prophetic writings were saying about this Kairos time of God sending the Messiah. When is this going to happen? God, we've been under Roman oppression for years now. When is the Messiah going to come? Come. Don't wait. Right? There's a longing and an expectation in his heart. And the angel says, your prayer has been heard. The angel said to him, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you're to give him the name John. Now, which John is this? Yeah, no, John the Pentecostal, because he acts more like a Pentecostal than a Baptist. (laughs) The first service didn't really get that joke, and they didn't laugh as hard as you did. So I'm going to call him John the Pentecostal, right? John the Pentecostal. (laughs) John the Baptizer. John the Baptizer, you know his name is. Hey, check that out. Like, hey, Zechariah, I'm going to answer your prayer. And the Messiah is going to come. That's kind of, I think, what Zechariah is thinking. Oh, Messiah is coming. And then he goes, your wife's going to have a baby. And he's like, well, hang on. What would you say? Like, that's what he said. He goes, it says, Zechariah asked the angel, uh, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Like, my wife and I, we have a good relationship, but... This is not something we expected. And the angel, interestingly enough, um, okay, so what does Gabriel say? He says, 
Zach, I am Gabriel. Let me introduce myself. Let's start over. I'm Gabriel. I'm visiting you here in the temple of God where you get to stand in the presence of God in a certain way. But listen, I'm an angel. I stand in the literal presence of God. Like, you don't know where I've been, Zach. I've seen it all. And he goes, I've been sent by God to give you this word. And it's great news. But now, you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true. Remember, when it's your time, it's your time. They will come true at their proper time. Kairos. Sorry. There you go. That's it. So Zechariah leaves the temple, and he's like, he goes home to Liz. Imagine how that conversation played out, right? And Liz is like, what are you doing? Right? Because listen, listen, listen. This is not, and Zechariah knew this. This word from God, this birthing, was not going to happen like it did with Mary. This one's not going to be immaculate conception. There's not going to be virgin birth. Right? So Zechariah finally gets it. The angel says, you're going to be silent. Now, some people interpret that as, you know, it, it looks like it's a punishment. And in some ways, maybe it is. But I want to suggest to you that maybe that this, you're silent, Zechariah, for nine months. How many of you spouses would love your husband to just be silent for nine months, right? You run the show? Well, never, never mind, just kidding. He, he says, you're silent for nine months. And I don't think it's just punishment. You know what I think it is? Preparation. Preparation. Remember? Interpret the silence correctly. And when you interpret it as preparation, God is getting me ready for something. Then you can, instead of, Decre this is what we do. We decrease our level of participation. Oh, God put this promise in my heart. I'm on fire, pastor. And then something happens. I get in a fight with somebody at life group. I, the pastor does something that I don't like. You know, so-and-so rubbed me the wrong way at church. So I'm just going to stop going. And we decrease. We back away. What we should do is interpret it as God must be preparing me for something. And so you increase your level of active participation in the process of preparation. God's prepared me. God, how can I cooperate? This is what Zach does. Like in his head. He says, we're going to have a baby? It's not a virgin birth? I'm going to be silent? I better get to work. And he goes home. And through their active participation... Baby John is conceived, right? Cooperate with the process of, of preparation that God has you in. You know how you cooperate? Real simple. Psalm 37.3. Trust, say trust. In the Lord, not in your own image, abilities, talents, gifts, yeah? Trust in the Lord, and then what? Do good. Do good. Yes. Easy. 
You want to cooperate with God in this season? I don't know yet what God wants me, but I'm going to trust in him, and I'm going to keep doing good. Because the solution, the answer, the fulfillment of the promise is not just going to come like some kind of uh, answer to a problem, like a formula. It's going to come as a birthing of something of God's redemptive purpose. Isn't that what it is? It's, it's all about, Christmas is all about birthing. God birthing his purposes. God breaking the silence and saying to people, you're going to be pregnant. <laughs> I'm going to birth something in the earth, my son. And listen, birthing, I mean, birthing requires intimacy. So when God falls silent, seems to be silent, not only do we need to interpret his silence correctly, say interpret, correctly, not only do we need to Increase our level of participation in the preparation process, but we also need to invest, say invest, time in building intimacy with God. If you want to get close to your spouse, you invest time in building intimacy. That's how marriage grows. Sometimes you're not doing a whole lot of anything, just hanging out, but you're investing time. Treat God that way. Because when you do, out of that growing intimacy, you will conceive things of his purpose and plans for your life. Stuff that will grow in you over the years. And my sense is that God has put stuff in you, many of you who have been walking with God or, you know, been uh, followers of Jesus, and you're just carrying it around, you know, <laughs> carrying it around for years. I know God's called me to some ministry. I know God's called me to this. I, I experienced God years ago, right? We know about that. Some of, you, some of you pastors in the room, you remember when God called you. Some of you are sitting here. You go, yeah, I had that clear call come. I had that experience. I couldn't deny it. Something shifted in my soul, and I said, God, whatever it is that you want me to do, I'll do it. And then God fell silent. Like, all right, where is it? One year goes by. I'm just going to church, doing good, doing all that I can do, serving in ministry. Two years goes by, doing the same, same, same old thing. Where is it, God? Where is the opportunity? Where is the chat, right? And you're carrying it around. When's this thing going to be born? God has set a time. He will not delay in terms of how we understand delay. God is always on time. Sometimes he shows up in the nick of time. But he's always on time. Tell the person next to you, God's on time. And he makes everything beautiful in his time. The time finally came when Zechariah, the baby was born, and he held, he wasn't just, you know, this wasn't just a dream anymore. He was holding the dream in his arms. And here's the cool thing. You know, it's one thing to have a baby. You know, all our focus get, you know, is on the baby. Wonderful. He understood from the very beginning because of God's purpose, spoken over John, said, this baby is going to be the one who prepares the way for the Messiah. 
From the very moment the kid was born, man, he, had, he was marked with the purpose of God, and his parents knew it, and his parents didn't stand in the way of it. In that day, it was customary for a priest, especially a guy like Zechariah, to name their firstborn son after the father. So everyone knew, hey, baby Zechariah was born already, yeah? But what happened? Zach said, no, 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 There's this kid... This kid's got a purpose on his life. It's going to be different. And he writes on a piece of paper, his name's going to be John. And right when he does it, boom, the silence is broken. And the beauty of this is that he holds baby John in his arms, and he knows that this baby is not just theirs. This baby has a plan, this baby has a purpose in the redemptive plan of God, and it's not ultimately about John. It's ultimately about Jesus, isn't it? That's the song that Zechariah sings when it's all said and done. He sings about the Messiah. He doesn't sing about his own baby. He sings about the Messiah. Whatever it is God is bringing to birth in your life, Whatever of his redemptive purpose, whatever that thing is you've been contending for, and Lord, bring it. When is it? How is it? When it comes, it's not going, it's not supposed to consume you to the point where you make it an idol. It's always supposed to point right back to Jesus. Come on now. You know, Mano, I, I, I see a dream that you were fulfilling out there yesterday. It was powerful, man. I don't know if you felt it. Something's being birthed in you. Gigi, you as well. So for some of you, you've been sitting in church the longest time, and you've been, this, you're going, man, there's got to be more than just me coming to church and sitting here listening to the pastor, because he says the same things over and over again. You're absolutely right. There is more. And you're walking around, if you've gotten any where near the presence of God and opened your heart to God, something's been conceived of his dream for your life. And you're walking around with it, and you haven't been investing time and in building the intimacy with God to see that come to fruition. But God is so gracious, he'll give you a taste of it. And then when he gives you a taste of it, he'll say, hey, remind, let me remind you, it's ain't about you. This is about my purpose for you. This is about the world around you. This is about my redemptive purpose for the whole world. That's what Christmas is about. You get it? Yeah. All right. I'm done. So I want you to stand. Let's pray. You say, Pastor, yeah, you just keep on talking, Pastor. <laughs> Worship team, come on up. And here's what I want us to do. I want us to, to take a moment and to, to ask the Lord, Lord, to, to think about what things have been just burning in my heart what is it that I most want to do for God? And for some of you, maybe you're not there. Maybe you're still kind of at the point of, you know, Lord, in this season of my life, I really want somebody to spend the rest of my life with. Or for some of you married couples in the room, Lord, we've been wanting another child or a child for the first time. So whatever that is, God has set a time. There's a season, and he's preparing you, and the silence you need to not interpret as he's rejected you or you're doing something wrong, that if you continue to trust in him and do good, your season will come.
Thank you for listening to audio from New Life Foursquare, located in Harbor City and Norwalk, California. Feel free to make copies of this audio to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies or change the content in any way without permission. For more information, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org.